Welcome to TuneIn YRDSB, inspiring learning through storytelling. Welcome to TuneIn YRDSB. My name is Hopin Dekor. I'm a community and partnership developer supporting the central area and the South Asian community. My pronouns are she, her. As we recognize Hindu Heritage Month in November, I'm honored to be hosting a conversation with some of our staff members about the Hindu faith, identity, and how we can work to create more inclusive identity-affirming spaces for Hindu students, staff, and families. I'll let the guests introduce themselves and tell us a little bit about themselves. Thank you for having us. And uh, my name is Sabrina Singatori. I'm a vice principal at Wyndham Ridge Public School. I am a practicing Hindu. I am Indo-Caribbean. My pronouns are she, her, and Al. Um, thanks for having us. Uh, my name is Sonia Kanani, and I'm a teacher at Langstaff Secondary School. And I am um, a Gujarati Hindu. Thank you, Carpenter. My name is Nahiswari Srikumaraguru. I'm the community and partnership developer for the Tamil community. I'm the Sri Lankan Tamil Hindu. Thank you for having us. My name is Achana Savarajan. I'm a vice principal over at Parkland Public School. Um, I am also Sri Lankan Tamil Hindu as well. Thank you. Uh, my name is Anupama Jane Verma. Um, I am a teacher at Ellen Fairclough Public School, and I am of the multi-faith of Hinduism and uh, Jainism. Thanks, Harpinder. My name is Sonia Venagopal, and I am the Performance Plus Child and Youth Worker at Unionville Meadows Public School in Markham. And I am from Kerala, so I'm a Malayali Hindu. Thank you, everyone. Let's get started. What do you want people to know about the Hindu faith? So Harpinder, when you actually talked to me about this uh, idea of doing this podcast, one of the first things that popped into my mind was, you know, having this conversation around how being part of the Hindu faith is not a one size fits all. It's um, very diverse and um, there's lots of ways people can practice their faith depending on their own lived experiences, depending on um, which country of origin they're from. So there's a lot of diversity within the Hindu faith. And I think also what goes with that is that in, um, the Hindu faith is very pluralistic and it's one of the oldest belief systems and um, it's a way of life mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, the Sanatan Dharma part of it, right? Which means like being able to live a, like a, a life on the correct path or on a good path, which we all want to do, even though from our names and from our introductions, you could tell that we were all very different Hindus from different parts of the world. Um, it's, it's very cool to see that although we're all Hindus, we're going to celebrate things differently and, and um, you know, act differently in different situations too. And just to add to that, our like observances, like there's certain holidays yeah, that totally. we may not be observing on the same day. Um, I know, Ms. Knox, where you were talking about like Navaratri for um, many different uh, cultures that, that are Hindu. We started and start at end at different times, too. Mm -hmm. So maybe you want to jump in with that? Yeah, because um, Navaratri is a Hindu festival, I agree. But um, in Sri Lanka, only Tamil um, people is a Hindu. Christian also is there, but uh, we have a two different language in Sri Lanka, Tamil and Sinhalese. Sinhalese people is not a Hindus, only for Tamil. But uh, Navratri, we have a uh, nine days. It's no change from everywhere. Mm -hmm. But we are not, we are celebrate different, uh, different from India. Because India, it's a Hindu people, not only for Tamil speaking. 
different language, right? So based on the language also, the celebration is different. And especially for um, Diwali, um, we are celebrate Diwali is a different uh, story. Um, in India, I heard from North, um, Ravana King, uh, it's killed, Raman it's killed. They mm -hmm. celebrate Diwali. Ravana is a Tamil um, king. We are not celebrate for uh, Ravana, it's mm -hmm. killed Diwali. We celebrate a different, it's a, it's a uh, Muruha, it's a Tamil code. He killed the, um, the bad people. When we got the bad people is die, all the um, people get lightning. So we celebrate Diwali is a different story. But um, North, North Indian people, I heard, one of my teacher told me, oh, we celebrate Diwali, it's a Ravanites killed. That's right. So how do we accept? Mm -hmm. Right? It's a different, different story. Yeah. That's what I think most um, uh, in Sri Lankan Tamil, we are same uh, celebrating all the celebration. Even um, um, New Year also, in uh, uh, April 14, we have a New Year. It's totally different from uh, India. And even within India, yeah, you know, like right now, celebrating Navratri for a Gujarati person like me means going to the, the mandir and, and um, you know, doing garba. So getting dressed up and, you know, having an opportunity to dance in the mandir. Whereas another um, cultural background Hindu might just go to the temple and, um, you know, like a Hindu Punjabi person would go and do joki, which is like a special type of singing, right? Mm -hmm. So we all celebrate, even though we're all Hindu, we celebrate the same occasion very differently and sometimes even on slightly different days. But in Canada, we mixed now. Yes. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, we, I never heard, I, I think at Chennai also, we never heard it's a Mehendi. Oh, but in it, now, whoever get married, it's a, everybody mm -hmm. celebrate it's a Mehendi. Right. I just went to day before, I, I never heard in back home. Mm -hmm. So, and other things, is a multicultural country. In one family, different, different uh, language people are together. So everyone come together for this uh, different, different um, culture. So I cannot say, oh, before I'm in Sri Lanka, I didn't do that. I cannot say that. But in Sri Lanka, totally different from India for the any Hindu festival. I think also what I also connected to is like the Hindu faith is evolving, right? It's like from how my parents have practiced it and how I practice it and how, you know, I want my son to practice it. It's going to evolve and change over time, right? Yeah, and I appreciate um, everything that we're all saying because I think that's the beauty of us having this conversation from so many different backgrounds because we want that people to know that about our students that come before us, that, you know, it's not just one set way and, you know, that, you know, for example, we talked a little bit about, you know, Diwali being everyone's big celebration, but maybe there isn't, maybe there's other days that mean more for us. I know for me, like being Indo-Caribbean, um, we are people were taken from India as indentured uh, slaves going over and uh, being taken away and uh, to the just place of the Caribbean. We held on to our religion as much as we could. And so uh, there's so many aspects of it that are very ritualistic that we held on that maybe when I speak to other people, they'll say, oh, we, we don't really do that anymore. But for us, we had to hold on to it because we didn't know what else. We lost our language because I look like this and I should speak another language, but I don't, so it's unfortunate. We know some words here and there through scripture and Sanskrit, but we don't have a lot of language. That's why being part of this was so validating 
growing up, I was actually told when I was about maybe 16 by a peer that I'm not a real Hindu because I'm Indo-Caribbean. So I think I shared that with you, Harbinder, how validating getting that email was. Um, just made me feel like, yes, I recognize as Indo-Caribbean uh, Hindu practicing. I just wanted to add to what you were saying about how we practice too. Um, a lot of my practice comes from my mother. I, I learned everything from her. And until this day, whenever I walk into the temple, I follow in her footsteps, right? Uh, we're literally right behind her um, because I still don't understand a lot of the rituals or the meaning or, you know, you know, how many times we're supposed to walk around the temple or where I'm supposed to be or which God I pray for to first. So I really depend on her to teach me her ways. Um, and kind of my biggest fear is, you know, I hope that I'm able to impart some of that knowledge into my future kids. But I think that that's a challenge that I find, and especially many children of this generation, and I know many of the of the children that have grown up around my age, is the fear that we may not have all of that information that our parents have. Uh, and so I take what I can from my mother um, and learn what I can from her. And I think that as I've evolved and gotten older, I've come to appreciate my religion a lot more and my identity a lot more. I know growing up, I would go to the temple when I was young and I would sing every Friday prayers, um, but we didn't have a car. So I would have to wear my outfit, my Punjabi suit, and I would, or swell kameez as we call it too, but, and I would sit on the bus and I would be embarrassed about who I was. And I would be on the bus heading to the temple, embarrassed that everybody would be looking at me and judging me. And now I've evolved and I've embraced that. And I see the children that I work with embrace who they are. So, you know, I very much, pay homage to my mom for everything that she's taught me in this journey as well. What do you want educators and staff to know? What would you like them to know for our students in the system? Well, I think um, Sabrina like mentioned earlier how, you know, in our board and even in society now, Diwali has become the mainstream holiday associated with Hinduism. And I think that's but that's not the case for all of us right so i think we all have certain holidays that are more significant depending on um where you're from and what's important so like for example like in kerala diwali is not such a big deal because i my when my parents were growing up that was never a thing right it was not such a big celebration for them like our most important holiday is our new year which is also in april but um for us it's, it's called vishu so that Everybody in Kerala celebrates that. And then we have our Harvest Festival, which again, and so in Kerala, the beauty of Kerala is if you have um, not been there or you have, if you haven't really heard about it is there's Hindus, Christians and Muslims that live in this small state in the south of India. And so for my parents growing up there, they celebrated everything. It never was a separate identity. So in Kerala, a lot of the festivals are everybody celebrates it. It's not really just delineated by a religious thing. So... I think that's what I would want like fellow staff members <clears throat> to know and to understand that you can't just say that, oh, you're a Hindu means Diwali is your day. And we talked a little bit about how um, accessing those other faith days, mm -hmm. how it can be challenging. Um, you know, you have to fill out an alternative request form and you have to get your, you know, pundit, well, we have pundits um, to fill it out and sign off that it really is a day for you. Um, so if we are going through that, imagine what barriers are in place for our students to acknowledge and talk about their uh, significant faith days, right? If we're experiencing that, we're adults, mm -hmm. we're in this board, mm -hmm. we can advocate for ourselves. So I think that's one of the 
and things that we want to make light of. And like just talking about like intersectionality, right? Mm -hmm. When I was growing up, my parents took me to the Mandar, but my mom also took me to the Gudvara because she was from um, Jalandhar. And then every Friday, I would go to the Gudvara and do Seva, right? Mm -hmm. So there is that blending of different religions and cultures that happens as well. Mm Yeah, and the fact that it's okay that like we're allowed to celebrate everything, you know, um, you know, we we my parents put up Christmas trees for us, you know, um, they talked, you know, during Thanksgiving we give thanks to the opportunity to be able to celebrate with everyone everything, right? So it's a very open religion where there aren't really restrictions on you know, uh, on what to do unless, you know, it's it's basically those universal values that we want to uphold, right? No, no nonviolence, truth. Mm-hmm. Those are the things that we really want to uphold. But other than that, you can stray from that or you can stay, you can celebrate Diwali and Navratri and Janamashtami and all these occasions, or you can not do those things and still be a good Hindu or whatever your definition of a good Hindu is, right? Um, and that we don't celebrate those occasions I think that's important too that like you know even though one Hindu might be off on a certain day because they feel so strongly about mm-hmm. that occasion and what they're doing with their family that day or their temple but a- another Hindu might t- choose to take their you know their Hindu new year mm-hmm. right that for them is you know yeah. I mm-hmm. think to your point I think I am probably that Hindu the one that's not um overtly the one that goes to the temples for yeah, all the festivals or anything like that and that's mm-hmm. also due to like how I was brought up as well. Like my parents, we never really went so much as a child again, because back in the 90s, the uh, only Hindu temple was the one um, in Richmond Hill um, at Bayview and Elgin Mills, the Ganesh temple. Yeah, so because that for us was the closest to a South Indian temple, right? Because so that was the only one back in the 90s, right? So then that was like a maybe once a month visit because we lived in North York. So just little things like that where you know, it wasn't necessarily a part of my weekly ritual. And um, and personally for me, like, it was up to me to decide when I wish to pray or when I wish to go to the temple. And so I think for me now, certain things I still do, like I'll still go to the temple um, before the start of every school year, even as an adult, because I know as chill, I don't know, um, as a child, I remember that was a thing. We'd always have to go and, you know, pray to Ganesh to remove our obstacles, right? That's just yeah. like that thinking, yeah. right? Like, yeah, yeah, Saraswati Puja, yeah. So it's just, and those things have just carried on as an adult. So it's just little pieces like that. So again, I don't identify as a overtly um, religious per se, but little things like that. I would say the same. Like I would go for birthdays is a big thing. Yeah. It's a must. And New Year's, whether it's like the Western New Year's yes. or the Tamil mm-hmm. New Year's, mm-hmm. we have to start off the year well, so we have to go to the mm-hmm. temple. But I was also reflecting and thinking about for our educators and staff, asking questions and being open-minded about what our students share. Um, I remember last year I had um, a teacher that had brought something that a student had drawn and she was like, it looks a little scary and a little violent. And when I looked at it, I was like, oh, he's drawing Hindu gods and he's replaying like a Hindu god yes, ser- scene that he has something. seen. Yes. Um, and she's like, oh, I had no idea. And when I called him over and I talked to him, he was like, yeah, I watched this movie with my mom about Hindu gods and and this and Lord Shiva did this and then Lakshmi did this and this happened. And I'm like, I got it. Like I saw it and I resonated and I understood. And that's when we say representation matters because I could look at it and say, oh, I totally affirm and understand what this child is doing um, and what he's trying to express in his story writing and his drawing. 
Yeah, I just wanted to add that I think it's also important. And when I reflect on my role and my positionality as a vice principal and starting two years ago, that, you know, walking into this role, I feel that I was able to connect with a lot of families and students and staff and having my identity be at the forefront, it opened up opportunities for conversations on how can we uh, engage and embed more knowledge into learning about whether it's the Tamil identity or the Hindu Heritage Month and beyond that. Um, And so, you know, for that, I'm very much honored and I appreciate that I've, you know, I'm in the position that I am because it's allowed me to connect with so many different stakeholders. I think just as we keep saying, being willing to um, ask the questions and being open uh, to understanding. And I feel like the most important part that we're going to keep coming back to is understanding the identities that everyone is practicing in a different way. Um, And also a central theme within Hinduism, we can agree, is the way of life as well. Right. So that's at the forefront. And oftentimes, sometimes. You know, Hindus around the world, uh, they'll be doing things and, you know, kind of minding what they're doing. And then, you know, they might get caught up into something else or they might be heard that something else is happening. But generally speaking, we understand this is a way of life. Um, you know, we tend not to, we attempt not to make it become something other, like give it a life of something else, um, especially what we're trying to portray in the schools, right, to under, have that understanding. Agree. And that we're not all experts either. I mean, when I think about Thai Pongol in January and when I was a teacher and the kids approached me and they're like, we like to do something for Thai Pongol. And I'm like, wonderful. Running to my mom, like, what do I need? What do I need to know? Because I don't, I feel like mom, I've seen you do all this. I see you making certain food, but like, how can I, what can I take to bring back to school? And how can I help present that much more fulsome and that that in and of itself was new learning for me so you know and also i have to add like a great opportunity for my mom when she was just over the moon that here i have my daughter wanting to learn more Mm -hmm. but i feel like that's something that you know we just need to know this that we're not experts ourselves Mm -hmm. we're continuously learning about our religion and our identity right and if anything i learn more from the kids Mm -hmm. yeah that's for sure and i think it's really important to then take into student voice student voice into consideration because I work in a school which um, there's not very many South Asian or Tamil identifying students and let alone Hindu students but a couple years ago I did have um, two students who were in grade three at the time and they're Tamil and they wanted to do something for Pongal. They wanted to do a presentation for all the primary classes and I worked with them over a couple of recesses and um yeah, they put together a quick, like, 20-minute presentation. We went around to all our kindergarten to grade three classes. They dressed in their traditional clothing, as did I. Um, and, yeah, and they had such a fantastic time. And the response they received was so wonderful. And that was purely the two of them coming to me and just saying this is what they wanted to do. And I think that's where I see my role as well in just being able to elevate that student voice and letting the kids go with it, especially when – there's only so few of them in the building. So you do feel that sense of like, mm-hmm. almost like not a protection, but like you just want them to be seen. Well, they felt safe with you, yes. right? Mm-hmm. And you provided that yeah. platform for yeah. them mm-hmm. and that opportunity to engage in, in sharing their voice. And I know um, the parent community, like um, whether they have Hindu heritage or any South Asian heritage, they'd like to come in and showcase. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I just want to know, like anyone has experienced them coming into the school and kind of working with the school? So for Thai Pongol, um, last year we had 
um, the parent community came in and they actually made Pongol outside of the school and they live streamed it. So all of the students also got to try it and be a part of that um, tradition, which was, it was delicious by the way. (laughs) Yeah, so we were able to bring in the parents as well and give them a chance to show their identity as well. Well, I just want to even say Miss S has helped co-create and even worked with families um, in creating displays about Fipungal. And she's partnered with, you know, families that she serviced to come into the school and bring in items. And a lot of times, many of the families that have done this are historically continue to do it. They're, it's almost like their excitement to come into the school and help develop this so that they could showcase all the wonderful artifacts that are part of the religion and the culture as well, right? And I know even thinking about Ms. Nagaswari and all that she does for the community, Thaipongul is like one of the biggest celebrations in the, I would say, in the Tamil community. And that's also the time where it's families that really require a lot of support in terms of resources, um, whether that's food, whether that's um, clothing. And I know Ms. Nagaswari during the Thaipongul time had helped access and, and provide um, rice and different stapled items that families would need for making um, Thaipungal possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Ms. Nagasuri, we have to say thank you to that for helping those families. I know I've worked with you in partnership and you've done a lot to support that the families in that. And, you know, um, talking about having families come in, I think it's so important because this has always been my biggest um, sort of, I won't say platform, but engagement, parent engagement. Mm-hmm. It looks differently. It doesn't look like everyone's sitting around at parent council meetings mm-hmm. going to, you know, it's not that. It's, it looks different. And I think that's important, too. I always bring that back when I'm centering conversations about parent engagement and student. And, well, the, they're not this. They're not this. Well, but are they? Like, they just came in and did this this way. I had parents, you know, come and help with them. We went over. We did the math science, or well, more math, I should say, about doing Rangoli patterns. Oh, um, yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and like, do she did it with the dot matrix and then mm-hmm. teaching that. And so you're going to tell me that parents not engage? I'm not going to be okay with that. I'm not mm-hmm. accepting that. But it doesn't look like traditional, or I shouldn't say traditional, but again, I'm going to keep going back to what colonial practices have said parent engagement should look like. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it doesn't, that's not what it looks like. So that's um, that's important. So. I'm just laughing at when you said rangoli, or we call it kolam too, kolam. because we, I remember we were doing rangoli or kolams in our school, and I took it, I, this is when I was a teacher, and my class decided we were doing patterning, we were going to create rangolis up in the front foyer, and I was like, I'm going to help you, and we had this like dedicated set of students going, and I just couldn't do it really nicely, and I remember a parent walking by that was um, Tamil, and she said, do you need some help? I can help. And I was like, please help us. Please help us. And so she was part of the lesson. She like took over and she taught me how to do and taught them how to do the designs. And I was so grateful um, that she happened to be walking by, dropping off her child's lunch at the table and thought this is a great opportunity for me to jump in and help. Right. So like you said, engagement looks different. And how are we viewing that? Yeah, exactly. Right. 
And I know there can be some barriers, but I hope that in most schools, none of the schools I've been in, we do support our parents with uh, getting through the process of, you know, vulnerable sector mm-hmm. screening, things like that. We support them in the process. So we're not just saying, come in, but you need to do this, this, and this. We support them with that. Mm-hmm. So I hope you found that experience too with your spaces that you've been in. I think I was in a small town in the summer and I went to an independent bookstore and I found the book Butternautium and Ballet and it oh, was a it was a picture book. And I was like, what are the chances that I find it in a small town? So bought it, I hope yeah, I bought it copies. because it's just that. But like, again, like you don't see that anywhere else. So I guess when it comes down to resources, we ourselves are seeing more and more mm-hmm. coming out, but we're building it ourselves because... Now I'm seeing more representation of it, right? Mm-hmm. My first one was Ganesha Sweet Tooth, and I was like, I love this. Mm-hmm. I finally see something about Ganesha and a story about it. You know, and again, like you said, it's something I heard from my mom. Mm-hmm. It's the yeah. stories that are passed down. Yeah. yeah, well, that's what Hinduism is, is, is all these generations and generations worth, uh, worth, like, you know, just coming down, and you're getting the knowledge from great, 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 great grandparents. And so the stories have also been altered that way, yeah. right? Yeah. Like They've evolved. That's yeah. right. And so we're evolving them for our children because they're like, well, what do you mean this happened? Like, that doesn't even yeah. make sense. And you're like, oh, no, no, no. Like, you're talking about cell phones now and, you know, bringing in technology. Whereas, you know, 50 years ago, there would have been very little of that, mm-hmm. right? So. But if you're looking for another picture book, there's a book called Finding Ohm. Um, it's written by, I think, Rashmi Bismarck, um, and she's actually from Kerala. So, and, um, her kids are biracial. So the story, again, it's, again, for me, I connected to that book because I'm like, oh, it's actually written like with the Malayali grandparents. Right. So it's also a very sweet book. Um, but that also refers to like, um, meditation and mindfulness. So finding home. So Mm -hmm. it goes back to that. And I do feel like, um, as the generations, like second generation students going to the school system, there's more likely that we'll see more South Asian um, authors mm-hmm. that will be yeah. writing these That's books. Because right. mm-hmm. yeah. I think it's with generations, you don't see that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And also, I think we're imparting that it's important that we do capture these uh, traditions that we have. That's what we're doing, being in the system. And we're letting, Mm -hmm. you know, our learners know that this is how you you do that through literacy. And that's where you have power, right? By getting those messages and those stories out. So it's a hard task, but here we are doing it. Mm -hmm. Does anyone have any final thoughts before we close off? What I was going to share is when you said don't do the yoga in class, uh, I've actually never viewed it like that in terms of like solely like a spirituality basis. However, I have encountered um, students of other faiths that have said they cannot participate in yoga because it's not their religion. And for me at that point, I'm like, I did not, I didn't understand it. Right. I'm like, I'm like, can you explain to me what you mean? And they were like, well, it's not for my religion. It's for another religion. Or they'll say it's only for Hindu people to do it. And and then at that point to me, I'm like, well, no, because I've never viewed it as such, right? Mm-hmm. I don't view yoga associated to a religion per se. Mm-hmm. I just view it as a, a exercise practice because I don't do the meditation bit, mm-hmm. right? I'm not right. doing that part. For me, it's more right. about the yes. the stretches and the asanas, but I yes. don't equate it particularly to being only for Hindus. Yes, and from like, if you look at a perspective of looking at the way that your body 
moves through the movements it's actually centering and helps you and things like that so there is that other part of it that um, I understand where everyone has adapted and gone through but I feel maybe for me because it was introduced through religious practice mm. maybe that's why for me and I have had that experience students saying on their um, faith accommodation pages which we know that families are welcome to fill mm. out and we do our best to accommodate them and find resources to support so families have put that right out mm. on the on the sheet that, interesting yeah yeah. yeah, this was more of like a verbal conversation I had with the students. Mm-hmm. So, and at that point, this was a couple of years ago. So it was, I was I was taken aback because I was like, oh, well, I didn't know. what like, Where is this coming from kind of thing? So it's interesting, right, to see how um, others might view certain things. So, yeah, it's a good um, learning experience for all or unlearning, right? I, I've even had that response from when we do a mindful minute or just like meditation, mm-hmm. like breathing exercises and and, and I'm an, a high school teacher, and there are some students who are like, nope. I, and I'm like, that's okay. You can put your head down. But breathing is for everyone, mm-hmm. right? And there's techniques and exercises that we can all benefit from because we all get stressed out. And, you know, so I think there is a way to separate it, you know. Um, but I think it comes down to you, mm-hmm. right? So, Sabrina, when you were saying it's hard to separate, mm-hmm. like, I can understand that. You know, that it is sometimes hard because to you, that's how it's been mm-hmm. taught to you, right? So, Since we were talking about faith accommodations, is there any faith accommodations that for Hindu students that staff need to be aware of? Or is there something that we have in the system? We talked a little bit about it when we were just brainstorming. We talked a little bit about the biology. Grade was a grade 10 mm-hmm. biology. That's right. Funny, the frog section. The frog versus the, um, there was a fetal pig yeah so in grade 11 we mm -hmm. do the fetal pig and i know in in the past there have been many other organisms that have been uh, dissected and i know you had a very traumatizing experience when they um (laughs) the teacher you know you know bless them for just being so enthusiastic like look what i picked up fresh from the butcher on the way home on the way to school this morning and it was a a cow's heart and it was like i couldn't it was so difficult and then you know, in the interest of science. Okay, but then what really got me is when he put the, you know, the tubes on the pipe through the arteries, see where they float. And at that point, I just had to excuse myself. But I didn't know I had agency. It was just 15 years old mm-hmm. to say something. Only when I was in OAC, or grade 12 biology, sorry, that um, other students who were of Hindu faith, they stepped up and said, um, we'd like to know if this is cow's blood or cow product. Uh, we prefer if it's not used when we have to experiment or interact. Mm-hmm. And I was mm-hmm. like, we can say that? Ooh, I didn't yeah. know that I, we were... I know it's going to sound wrong, but allowed, right? Mm-hmm. So we talk about that agency uh, piece that we yeah. always come up, right? So Yeah, it's a tough, as a science teacher, it is a tough thing because ahimsa, right? Mm-hmm. Hindus believe in nonviolence. Um, but um, then then one of the big conversations I have as, as a teacher, as a human being, is that, um, you know, we're, we're doing this to learn and to be respectful. And, um, and, and that's important for anyone, no matter, you know, whether I'm Hindu or not, you know, we're, we have this frog in front of us, we're going to learn from this frog, right? So whatever it is that you learn, whether it's you learn that you love dissections and maybe you want to go into medicine because this is a great entry point or, or you're learning something about, you know, the, a frog's body or a human's body and how it's connected, 
but um, make make it make this dissection something that you can learn from and don't let this be in vain right and and so that's how I try to think about it and I try to encourage my students to think about as well um, because you know it is it is part of our curriculum and and it is a pretty amazing experience and of course when there are students who say nope I'm very against this we have virtual dissections we have mm-hmm. those things available we have lots of resources now on the internet videos and so many things that students can access but um, you know it is definitely important to have that conversation with all of the students including the Hindu students that yeah um, you know this frog has been killed for this. You know, you have to explain that. Well, it's also been killed so that we can learn, right? And then again, the theme of what we're saying is not taking the one-size-fits-all approach. Mm-hmm. So perhaps for me, it was yes. a uncomfortable feeling with the, you know, cow's heart, but maybe other um, people of Hindu faith would be okay with it in because they have the perspective in the name of learning and science. So not having the one-size-fits-all approach. That's right. And I guess that goes back to diet right that you know a lot of hindus you know there are many hindus that are vegetarian and there are many hindus that are not vegetarian and it doesn't change the fact that they're hindu like we don't have that as you know like you can only be hindu if you are vegetarian it doesn't work that way right we're very open and you know i was gonna say i when i first came to canada with my parents and i was two um, we actually lived with a Gujarati family. We lived in the basement and our parents lived, yeah. our Gujarati family lived at the, in the top level and, um, they were a vegetarian, um, eating family. Yeah. And so I had an abundance of, of opportunities to taste all the veggie food that were, you know, that were created <laughs> by, um, Ms. Sharma. And I loved her for that. Um, and it was just an experience in mm-hmm. me seeing that, like, oh, they're vegetarian, but they're Hindu practicing. Mm-hmm. And, you mm-hmm. know, our family, we eat, like, chicken curry and mutton curry. Yeah. And, like, so it's just a, a, a difference in terms of, right. of how we how we approached food. But in the same regard, we would all be there for prayers together. Right. You know, when, you know, Charmanti would hold, um, you know, our, our Friday prayers, we would all be up at the top, all singing with family. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just a different experience, like yeah. you said. And I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm trying to explain. I know recently um, I was doing Summer Institute. And um, so we had free snacks and we were giving them all to the counselors. They work so hard. And so one uh, particular counselor, I was asking everyone if they have any dietary restriction because it was some some jerky, beef jerky, I think it is. So I was asking everyone and the one friend said, oh, I can eat it today, but not tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Yeah. Certain days. Yes. And he, he was stumble. <laughs> and, uh, and so I was like, oh, is that your fasting days? Because I understood because that we do eat some meat at our home. And so we have certain days. It's our fasting day where it's a very strict veg day. Uh, so I understood what he was talking about. So he felt, and he's like, so what's your day? I'm like, what's, and I told him what my day was. So yeah, Tuesdays, Fridays. Yeah, Fridays are yes. typical. Or if we go to the temple, yes. we are not allowed That's to right. eat yes. meat at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then when we come back from the temple, we also remain vegetarian for mm-hmm. the rest of the day. Yes. Um, you know, also I sometimes I practice that, sometimes I don't. If I'm going out with, you know, mm-hmm. friends and I, I've got the pass too, but mm-hmm. and that's different for every family, right? Mm-hmm. But uh the fact that, you know, we know all automatically we're coming home, there's this 
we're having vegetarian food. There's a certain kind of excitement to it too, because we know that there's certain curries that my mom makes that usually is reserved for after coming back from the temple. Yeah, but that's so interesting because again, I don't know if it's a byproduct of my own family or generally um, in Kerala. Like, there's not really much um, fasting sort of um, days or anything like that. I think for us mostly it's so for uh, if you're going to any if you have a chance to go to a Kerala wedding um, the wedding feast is always vegetarian served on a banana leaf um, so that's kind of our only the traditional <laughs> yeah. um, what we call sadhya um, where you have like basically all the curries you would eat on over a variety of days you know if you're eating regular dinner this is just all on one day um, that's kind of our only real vegetarian full-blown meal but again um I'm sure there are other maybe people from Kerala who do follow certain things, but my own experience, yeah, we don't generally have specific days like that. Yeah. So we're the same yeah. for Hindu weddings as well. Yes, it's strict, yeah. strict vegetarian. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No alcohol and yeah. no meat. Yes. Same with right. us for yeah. Caribbeans too. It'll be very strict vegetarian for the wedding ceremony. And then that way, after the celebration, will be there two days later. So then you can the reception. Yeah. The second Sunday, we might call it, and then they'll have. Then you can have other products. But even within the Indo-Caribbean, I guess following of Hindu practice, even within there, there's still uh, groups of Indo-Caribbean Hindus who are strict Mm -hmm. vegetarian, Mm -hmm. and that was what they were raised with. So they were still bringing over a lot of the things that. Um, they came with, well, that they were brought over with through displacement from India. So it was even back looking at their lineage, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, so if their, you know, grandparents and great-grandparents were like pundits, which is our clergy, then they would continue mm-hmm. being the vegetarian and sometimes even going into being the, the clergy work or the pundit work. So mm-hmm. uh, still passed on. So yeah. I think what just struck me was that, um, you know, I think... We all come from different backgrounds, but we all and we all go to temples to do our worship. But I think what the beauty of it is, is that wherever, whichever part of India or Sri Lanka or another area of the world you're coming from and you practice your faith is of is Hinduism, the temples are different. Like it'll be unique to each person's identity. But what I think the beauty of it is that I can go to a Gujarati temple, I can go to a Tamil temple or a North Indian temple um, or go to a Kerala temple. We can all still go to whichever place we want to and we can still do our worship in a particular way. But we're all still welcome in every location. So I do think that's kind of like a beautiful aspect. Mm Of Hinduism, I don't. You don't even have to be Hindu to come yeah, to the temple, right? Like yeah. anyone can come and look at the beauty and yes. and experience what we experience, you know, on on our different days. So, so. E- even the the mandir that um, Sonia and I go to, um, they have they have had a uh, York region administrators. Um, and staff come in to do tours and nice. sit and speak with the, the pundits, the clergy. Uh, there's a museum there as well that has a lot of great artifacts um, mm-hmm. kind of going through history, I guess. To, yeah, it's really um, amazing. Is yeah, this the so, Vishnu Mandir? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So um, even that, like opening our doors, like I feel in all Mandirs, their doors always open. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. that's yeah. there's always a meal, right? Yeah. Food connects yeah. us. Yes. Yes. back to food. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. There's always the lunch. There's a, like even we were thinking after this we should go to the temple and see if they have snacks for anyone who's fasting. Um, even Navratri, like is out for Indo-Caribbeans and um, other um, people celebrating, they'll do fasting during this time. But like levels of fasting, yes. how strict. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, no salt or even no food, just maybe water and tea. 
um, or, or fruit only or fruit only right. yes um, and sweets right or or the other one is just no meat products no mm-hmm. drinking um, yeah yeah my so my parents are from East Africa um, so and they're well, one of my side's parents are from India. And so for us, it's been quite a few generations from India. But their traditions, you know, for fasting and for, you know, celebrating certain things have still continued to be passed down, right? So um, for us, our fasting is called ikdanu, which is like having one meal, mm-hmm. right? So either having nothing all day or just having like fruit and then one meal and avoiding salt as much as possible. So that's yes. our, our yeah. version of yeah. fasting during yeah. these nine nights. Yeah. And um, the Indian they do. That's so large. Yeah, the one meal, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It just reminds me when you say we, we all go into different, we can go to each other's mm-hmm. temples. I'm also thinking even when we go into our temples, because of the vast array of gods that mm-hmm. there are, there's so many, even within, like I'm speaking in terms of like the Tamil Hindu religion, that there's so many different avenues for which God that you yes. want to worship. Mm-hmm. Some yes. families would say like, you know, I focus on Ganesha or mm-hmm. Lakshmi or yeah. Siva, Siva, yeah. like Lord Siva. Mm-hmm. There's so many different opportunities within it. Mm-hmm. And even learning what they, I love just the history of learning mm-hmm. what God is attributed to, like the what, symbolism. yeah, yes. what power yeah. Lakshmi has. Yes. And even yes. I have to say, if there's one thing I love, it's just how powerful women are mm-hmm. in yes. the Hindu religion. Mm-hmm. They are, they have so much strength and they're um, powerful and they're courageous and knowledgeable. knowledgeable yeah. And, you know, it's yeah. just a, a female empowerment to it. That, well, that's what Navratri is. Yes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. The, the goddesses. Yeah. We're, we're celebrating the Those goddesses. Nine nights, yes. Yeah. Um, and how they have like the counterparts, right, to to each of the um, the male um, representation mm-hmm. of the gods you may want to worship. Um, they have that um, parallel. It's very you know, and think so. Right. So I think that's a great point that all of us being Hindu might pray to different gods and goddesses. Right. And it, it's, you know, we, I think like we actually believe in Brahman or Ishwara, right. That there is, Mm -hmm. there is God only, but the pathway to get to, to recognize that is so different for each of us, right. Whether it be Durga um, or Ganesha or Hanuman or Ram or, you know, Balaji. There's so many different gods that we can try to associate with and identify with. And that's what makes it easier for us to almost, you know, pray and find that, you know, the the happiness within or whatever it is. That we're and there's a name for that that we say that as they're going through. And that's why at a, you know, like we're like, we're trying to teach our own children and mm-hmm. we're trying to even implement programs where we can, like at the temple. And so when their young students are young coming in to us with our programming that we have available, we teach them about the symbols and whatnot. And then as they go through, we ask them to select sort of someone that you connect with that you need mm-hmm. to. And then that will be their pathway through understanding and getting to, you know, that understanding of Ishwara and, you know, the all persuasive that Lord is everywhere. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And even the different names for the gods and goddesses yes. too. Like mm-hmm. even one god would have multiple Maybe different that's names. Right. Yes. Right? Yes. Yes. And so sometimes, yes. I mean, growing up, I was so confused. Yeah. And then, yeah. my, my, yeah. and yeah. even yeah. now, actually, yeah. to be honest. Yeah, it's like, wait, you know. Shiva is Neelika? Yeah. 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 And there's so yeah. many different And names. in different, language. different yes. languages. Different language. That was different a story. When you're growing up, you're like, oh, this is this person. And then when you you hear in another language you're like oh is it the same yeah yeah it's a, yeah. yeah that's right yeah. yeah and that's beauty in that right and that's yes. where we see our students that have 
names that are representative of gods. Yes. You know, Durga, or, you know, yes. like all of those names all have mm-hmm. yeah. um, meaning towards mm-hmm. it, right? That's right. Mm-hmm. And even I think like of my own name, yeah. Achana, yeah. which in the Tamil Hindu religion is Erichana, which means worship, mm-hmm. which is what you do, a puja, when you go to the temple. Right. Yeah. And we know that too. We, yeah. we do Archana. Yeah, we do Archana. Yeah. And the best part is when I was little, I would walk into the temple and I was like, I see my name. <laughs> and that's where all I see my name only, but yeah. It was a different. Achana and Achana. Yeah. That's only the difference. Yeah. But it's just nice because then, you know, when you ask us, what do we want from our educators and staff? It's the name part, too. Like many of these names, just like in many different ethnicities, they have meaning. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, having our kids and asking our kids and if they don't, giving them an opportunity to connect with their families to find out, well, what does your name mean? And what's the and what was the story behind Mm -hmm. the naming of it? And even as, um, like, I'm noticing you too, getting to know my uh, the new staff, and one um, staff member uh, said, you know, like, when you just said my name, you just knew how to say it. And I was like, but that's how you say it. <laughs> She's like, and when you say it, I feel like I'm home, because you just knew. And I was like, okay. <laughs> like, I didn't even know real, but I did that, and I didn't realize. And I mean, I didn't ask her, because I know, I just know that's how you say it. Yeah. Right? And she was just so happy, and you didn't understand the impact of that. So with adults and thirst. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't even say it the, the Tamil or the Sanskrit way either. Mm-hmm. It's just something, again, like you said, I grew up in a system where I accepted the westernized version of my name, right? Um, I often get told you should backtrack and now change it, but I think I'm just set in my Mm -hmm. ways that I honor people that are South Asian that know how to pronounce Mm -hmm. it, Mm -hmm. and I'm okay with that. But again, Mm -hmm. I don't want that for our students here in York Region and for any other child, right? Well, well, thanks for um, having us on this podcast. I think it's been a really great opportunity to be able to um, share some of our or I shouldn't say ours, speak for myself, share some of my ideas around um, Hinduism and some of the practices associated with it. So, yeah, thank you. I agree. Thank you. And also just to sit amongst uh, wonderful people that have a wealth of experience and I've I've never met in in different (laughs) settings. So it's nice to be able to connect and see and hear stories of everyone else and their lived life experiences, both personally and professionally. It's so nice to open up conversation like this too, right? Like I've never been a part of something like this that's re- that relates to the board, you know, to York Region, to this workplace that I spend a lot of time at, um, for us to be able to talk about something that I feel um, is very near and dear to me and that makes me who I am. So yeah, thanks for the opportunity. It's, it's really amazing. It's, it's really yeah, if mm-hmm. someone had told 10-year-old me that one day I'd be doing mm-hmm. this, I would never be. <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. Growing up in that system where you just kind of assimilate, you don't you put your head down, you don't say anything, no one knows where you go on the weekend, on Sundays, um, you don't talk about anything, your background, your food, your nothing. So this is uh, a great opening up experience and um, mm-hmm. being around great people. So thank you for sharing and feeling that the space was welcoming and safe to do so. Thank you, um, Sonia, Sabrina, Anu, Sonia, Ashna, and Nagaswari um, for joining us today and sharing your insights, your lived experiences and ideas with us today. And thank you for tuning in. We hope you will all join us. We will be sharing some resources. Um, they're still being developed. So thank you for joining us on Tune in YRDSB. Thank you for joining us for Tune in YRDSB. 
Please join us next time to continue the conversation.